Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, welcome in, everybody. We're back, or I should say, I'm back. Welcome to the podcast, Head Sweep of the Nation. Welcome to Season 4, One Man's Opinion. It is the season premiere episode. Normally, I like to do, like, big fancy schmancy guest filled episodes and all that with my season premieres but that is not the case today i'll be riding solo on this cruise because i recognize it has been well over a month since i've recorded this podcast it has been a long and windy road as the beatles once sang but if you're listening to this episode specifically if you're listening to it within this first week that it's out let me just show my appreciation for each and every one of you to stick with me to keep that subscribe button going and everything else, because I do really appreciate that. It was never my intent to miss what six weeks of this podcast at this point was going to be back for the NCAA tournament. Life has this weird habit of not working out the way you want it to though, but I appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you. If you're just stumbling in, if season four, episode one is your first episode of One Man's Opinion, thank you and welcome to the program. Uh, My name is Jeff Manns. If you need a reintroduction to me, you can hear me weekday afternoon, Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. I host a program called Elite Sports, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM's Fantasy Sports Radio, Channel 87. I also am a part owner, and I am the chief content officer responsible for all the fancy schmancy things you see over at fantasyguru.com. All my content can be found there as well. You could follow me on social media. See what I'm all about there at Jeff underscore Mans M A N S on Twitter. I am verify. I'm a legacy verify. They're gonna take it away from me every day. Ah, we're gonna take away your verification. Ridiculous, but nevertheless, uh, the Jeff Mans everywhere else: Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and on TikTok. All right, folks. So that is that. This is the. Season premiere episode, I suppose. I've got a lot of explaining to do. I'm going to get into things, what I've been doing, where I've been, why the show wasn't on for a while. Um, I've been on Sirius XM for most of that time. I had about two week uh, hiatus from there as well, dealing with some family issues and whatnot. I'll be very transparent with you all because I think that's for number one, it's the only way I know how. I don't really know how to do shows or communicate with human beings. If I'm not just being honest and straightforward, I put it this way. I have demons. My demons are secrets. I'm not good with secrets. I'm not good with it. Now, if I know it's for the greater good or something like that, okay, I can keep a secret, but I like to talk about what's going on. I think that hopefully it's what you guys appreciate about the show and I know there are others out there like me in similar situations or whatnot, maybe going through something. And if I could help any of you, I I think I owe that to you at the very least. So I'll get into that. I'll talk about the start of the 2023 Major League Baseball season going fairly well. My bets are not going fairly well, although I had the worst four-day start I think a human being can. I am very pleased to say I am only one game under 500 since the first four days. Not ideal, but I'm up units. 
up all over a unit and a half, oh, 1.72 units. So almost uh, one and three quarters units since the first four days, which is just a, a really a nine day period. So it's not that big of a deal. I'll talk about that. Also, I recognize it's an NFL draft time. A lot of you listen to this show. You like my NFL conversations talk. Those are some of our highest rated episodes. So I'm going to start unveiling my prospect rankings for you today on this show. So we're going to talk some fantasy football. We'll talk NFL draft. It is one of my favorite things to do in assess talent, judge talent, scout talent. That's what I'm doing. Discuss where these talents fit within the landscape of the National Football League. What's best, what's worst, what's most likely, what we're going to get, fantasy impacts and implications there as well. I will start with the quarterback position today. I will sort of run through the running backs. I'll get it to wide receivers in future episodes. I'm actually going to – I think I'm going to record more episodes here. Um, I don't like to unbalance things. I've also got that brain tick where I need – I'm not going to short anybody the season just because I had some extra time off and, and didn't do the show. So I'm going to pound out some extra episodes early on. So in the next, uh, don't be surprised if you see extra episodes popping up over the weekends and uh, late in the weeks, the next few weeks leading up to the 2023 NFL draft. I am happy to report. I will be broadcasting uh, the first two days of the NFL draft on Sirius XM fantasy sports radio. That has not been announced yet, but I'm announcing it too because we've talked about it and it is happening. And I'm very pleased and happy to be doing that as well. We will have full service on fantasyguru.com. I will be there as well. I'll be reporting live. I will be reporting on delay and doing all of that stuff for you at fantasyguru.com. So make sure you're getting that NFL draft package, NFL draft guide uh, as well. So check that out. All right. So where the hell have I been? What Jeff, what's going on? What's going on in your life? Well, so where do I begin? Number one, refresher period or for new subscribers of the podcast. Welcome in. So here's the deal. I have, uh, I'm married with three, three children. All right. I, my daughter, who is about to turn 21 in just a couple of days from now. Um, when she was born back in 2002, I was but a 22-year-old buck myself, uh, 23 maybe. My wife and I, she was 22. And the first day, backstory on what happened. Uh, so we're new parents. We read the baby books. Shout out to Knocked Up. Did you read the baby books? I didn't read the baby books. I read the baby books. My wife had baby books. Back then it was different. Even Dr. Spock was still a thing, believe it or not, back in those days. Although what to expect when you're expecting was still a thing uh, back in those days too. So we were prepared as any 22, 23-year-old couple could be. We were married two years before, a year and a half before that. And in April of 2002, welcome, welcomed in our first child. Now our entire goal was, okay, we're not going to send the baby to the nursery. We are going to keep the baby in the room with us and we'll do the breastfeeding and we'll do all the things, you know, all the right things because that's what we're doing. Best of intentions. Well, Jeff Mans, you learned day number one of being a parent that you cannot expect for anything. Oh, by the way, in case your kids are in the car or in the room with you, this is an uncensored podcast meaning I'm going to curse 
and I'll say inappropriate things and all that good stuff. So I strongly suggest the AirPods, the noise canceling headphones, or just not be, you know, if you're at the gym or don't be around people who may or may not be sensitive. If you are a sensitive type, you don't like bad language or salty language, or even I will talk about political shit. I will talk about sexual shit. I'm not going to censor myself, not on this show, right? So that's not how this goes. So if that's not for you, I totally understand. Just a word of warning. Jeff, there's day one of parenting, no fucking planning. You're, anything you plan on, we're we're going to fuck all that shit up. Nothing you expect is what to expect when you're expected. Expect fucking chaos. That's what to do. Because So day one, my wife had long labor, very tough, all that stuff. Night one, we are exhausted after my daughter's born. Exhausted. We said, you know what? Fuck it. First night, we need to rest up. One night in the nursery of the hospital. That's not going to change our kid. That's not going to do anything to our kid. Well, what happened was hours later, the child, uh, our daughter went to the nursery and they came back into the room a couple hours later and woke. I was up or I woke up, what have you. And they said, there's a problem with the child and she was turning blue and she needs oxygen. Oh shit. Okay. What happened? What's going on? Well, this and that long story short, uh, they had to do a battery of tests on her. She had to go to the NICU, the uh, newborn intensive care unit, all that stuff. And after a battery of tests within less than 12 hours, a doctor came into our room and started there. Were, it was a cardiologist and he takes out a white sheet of paper like you would do on a printer or anything else. I still have the paper to this day and he draws a heart on it. And he says, you know, this is how it goes. And it passes from this ventricle to the, the atrium to the ventricle and, you know, describes to us, we're hard. we were fresh out of college, so like yeah, we're like yeah, I mean we're smart. We're not forty. We're not in our forties and forgot all that shit. Yeah, we know what we're doing. We're twenty two. We're on top of the world. Then he turns the paper over, and he writes my daughter's name, Brooke, Brooke's heart. And right there, it was oh shit. Uh oh, that's not good. And he proceeds to tell us that she has a condition known as Epstein's anomaly. It's a very, 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 very rare heart condition. Oh, it's an issue with the tricuspid valve not closing right. It leads to poorly oxygenated blood in the heart and throughout the body. And it's something that we may have to perform surgery on her within hours. So that was my introduction to parenting. Hours upon being coming a parent, no problems. You know, really during the pregnancy, nothing big, nothing, you know, happening there. This all just happened to us. Now, she, my daughter, did not have to have surgery. And that's about, that's rare. Only about 35% of newborns born with this don't have to have the surgery right away or within the first year of life. My daughter went on to be, uh, she did turn, she had a couple of episodes when she was very little. We used to have to monitor her and look at her because her lips and face would literally turn blue when, just when she was asleep or anything else. You want to talk about being a nervous parent, that 
was nerve wracking and having to look at her. And it did happen a couple of times and you had to bring her in and into the hospital immediately. And she was good every single time. And she has been to cardiologists many, many times. Chicago Children's Hospital, downtown Chicago. Also, uh, Lutheran General Hospital down in uh, Park Ridge, Illinois. Had to go there many, 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 many times for all different battery of tests and everything else. And she has done amazing. Never had to have surgery. Never had major issues. She grew up. She was a very active girl. Constantly running around. As a matter of fact, she broke, she's broke her ankle six different times within the span of a year and a half, like an 18 month period. Once was we were at Wisconsin Dells with the Schusters, by the way, Ted Schuster and his family at the, in Wisconsin Dells, we were on like a family group trip and she fell off a playground thing and shattered her ankle. And that was the first and she broke her ankle a bunch, but she never stopped. I couldn't get her to stop running up and down stairs, doing everything. She played tennis. She ran track. She did everything in high school. She's lived a normal, great life. We always get, the checked out and everything else. Well, fast forward recently, which is about right after the holiday season or actually just before where she was getting tired, worn out. Now she's working. She's a full-time student. She is uh, going into law school in the fall. She's got active social life and boyfriends and friends and college parties and uh, work works full-time and, you know, does stuff around the house. So she is. So her being tired, not very shocking, not surprising. Well, she started to have episodes, dizziness, loss of loss of uh, breath in the sky, feeling like her heart's racing and all that. Not a big deal, but something we monitor. Finally, um, she was running. She was constantly worked out, belonged to two different gyms. And she was at the gym at, at college at her school. And she was running around the track and literally passed out, had a complete and utter just pass out. It was scary to everybody. People were like trying to revive her, but she wasn't, she was breathing. She was okay. But like no one knew what to do. It was this, you know, very scary for everybody around. And that obviously led to, we had to go get, you know, tests and see what's going on and everything else. Turns out some heart issues uh, were happening and, tachycardia, which is a misfire of the electrodes of the heart, things like that. Nothing related to her heart defect or the tricuspid valve or Epstein's or anything, which we found to be very surprising, but I'm not a fucking doctor, right? I don't, what do I know? So she has to go in, she has to have an ablation, heart surgery, you know, for heart surgery, relatively minor for a heart surgery, but it's obviously a big thing to you or I or anybody because it's your freaking heart, right? So she goes in, has this done, very tough, and we have a real bad experience at Phoenix Children's Hospital. Like, the doctor was okay. The nurse was a cunt, um, for lack of a better term. She was one of the worst human beings I've heard. I mean, these are real fucking stories. We're in the recovery room, and this lady who's wearing a St. Patrick's Day's t-shirt like oh happy irish whatever she is furious because my daughter's not for one they gave her more um anesthesia than they were supposed to we told them my both my wife and all my kids that my kids have had surgeries tonsils uh, uh the ear my son had ear uh tubes put in the ears before so they've had anesthesia and every one of them don't take anesthesia well they are 
take a long time to recover to feel normal after anesthesia. It's it's fairly common in people. I'm sure some of you and your family members have that as well. And so we've told them a million times, but they gave her more anesthesia despite us telling them and her as an adult telling them not to, they did it anyway. And no surprise, it took her a long time to sort of wake up and get running. Well, this nurse didn't like it. And she was a bitch. I mean, the meanest fucking lady you can imagine. Get up. Why don't you just go? We got to get going. She would leave. And mind you, it's only a curtain separating there and the where the nurse's station is. And this lady's like, I got to get home. I've got dinner to cook. You know, I've got to get, I've got to, I should be, I should be a glass of wine in already. There's no reason for this. And she threatened my daughter to, that she was going to uh, admit her and pass her off and send her to like the ICU in different places if she didn't get up. She didn't feel bad. She just wasn't recovered. She wasn't awake yet. She couldn't stand up yet. She was still loopy. It's the, it was the wildest scene I can remember. Finally, my daughter said she was come to enough and she she had she was done with this bitch and said, fine, we're leaving. She got up and she goes, this is why I'm going into malpractice law, medical malpractice law, which she is, by the way. She said it straight to her fucking face. And we got up and we left and we went home and she recovered at home. Well, the recovery never went well. She was never, never got her oxygen back. She never got, she was dizzy constantly. Every time she got up, she could walk a few steps and feel lightheaded like she was going to pass out. And this went on for the next four days through the weekend. And at this point, something was just off. And, you know, everybody, we had a, a Zoom meeting with the doctors, the, the surgeon um, on that Monday. Surgery was on a Thursday. If you guys remember, I was off the show on Sirius XM on Thursday. So, and that's, by the way, why I didn't come back that week. I was supposed to come back the week before on this show, before the uh, NCAA tournament. That was the day the tournament started, day one of the tournament. So that happened. Come back by that Monday. We had a thing and they said she was dehydrated. Dehydrated? What the fuck are you talking about? This girl drinks like 160 ounces of water a day. She drinks nonstop water. We are we live in Arizona and we're from Chicago. We are all a hydrated family. We drink, we have a water cooler, we drink copious amount. We get seven bottles of water every two weeks, like five gallon drums. We go through bottles of water, at least a case of water a week in bottles. We have a hydration system in the house where we fill up an ice pitcher for extra water. This family, my family of five, drinks a ton of water. She was not dehydrated, but that's what they said. So we said, all right, well, I guess doctors know, right? Well, don't fucking trust some doctors. Some people don't want to do their job. Not different than any other walk of life, evidently. Because by Tuesday, she, again, could not get up. We tried to, like, oh, come downstairs and come do this. Could not do it. Or she did it, but out of breath. Finally, I just demanded it. And I was an asshole. And I said, you have to go to the hospital. We have to go and find get tests. We have to find out what is wrong because this could be, you know, a big situation. I thought I figured it was something with the heart. Right. And I thought our best case scenario and most likely scenario, it is something in her mind. Maybe she's scared, but my kid's never been an overreactor. The younger ones. Yes. My oldest doesn't overreact. She's very by the book. She's very, she, she's very literal. She don't, 
she'll fuck around, right? Like she's the, she's the girl. She hurts my feelings the worst because she's so direct. That part of my personality that's just direct and to the point, she's like that. I love it about her. It's amazing. But it, she will cut your soul out without even a thought, right? She just does because she just tells it how it is. There's no mess around. So I didn't feel it was going to be in her mind. I thought, all right, maybe something surgery. We'll see. I'm taking you know a long, huge story. I'll try to cut it up for you. I'm on the Sirius XM show on Tuesday while my wife and daughter are in the hospital. My my wife's giving me updates. Oh, they're just true blood. They did an x-ray. She's working on schoolwork and, and all this stuff. Like everything's fine. Oh, we'll be out of here soon. And oh, they're going to do a CT scan. They're going to see about a blood clot. Like, oh, okay. Well, my that was like half hour before the end of the show. About as the show ended, I mean, it couldn't have been more precise. Probably about 90 seconds after the show ended, I signed off on Sirius XM. Uh, my wife says she has a pulmonary embolism going in for surgery now. Turns out she had a blood clot in her lung. And it is what they they call a uh, a saddle pulmonary embolism, which is the absolute positively worst kind you could have because it stretches between the two lungs, right? So it's very, very uncommon, but it's like just the worst thing you can have, a saddle, saddle pulmonary embolism, all right? Um, she was close to death, and that's hard words for me to say. I get choked up just talking about it. Um, but that's life. That's what that's what happened, right? Thank God for the doctors. I immediately rushed over. Fortunately, we live somewhat close to the hospital. Fortunately, we went to the closest hospital and not that piece of shit, Phoenix Children's Hospital. But we went to a close hospital, and I got in right as they were wheeling her in, and they said we have to go now, now, now. And but I'll tell you what. I have a lot of, uh, I've been through a lot of medical things in my life. My dad died of cancer. My mom was in uh, hospitals for the last couple of months of her life. I've had my issues. We've gone through it. There's good people and there's bad people, great doctors, great nurses. They're bad doctors and they're bad nurses. But the one that went in, and by the way, my daughter had eaten breakfast that day. And as a result, they could not put her out. She had to be awake during her pulmonary embolism surgery, t draining a blood clot from your lung, and she was awake through the whole fucking thing. Yeah, that's insane and incredible. Um, but that doctor looked at me and knew my wife and I were beyond comprehension. We were shattered at that moment. We didn't know. We I don't know any of this stuff, right? I'm a disc jockey or fucking radio guy. I do podcasts where I say the shit and fuck all the time. I don't, I don't know any of this stuff. Right. Um, but he, he said, listen, I got a 20 year old daughter at home. She goes to this university, you know, in this state. And he goes, he brought in two nurses. Both the nurses had 20 year old daughters as well. And they're like, I will, I'm doing this surgery as if it's on my own daughter. And I can tell you, I've never felt so supported in my life 
that when he said that. And sure enough, he took great care of her. Surgery went as well as can be. She spent five days in the ICU, two days in regular rooms, and has been home now for the last two and a half weeks. And I'm happy to report doing well. It is not, it's not a, uh, it's not a perfect recovery. We've had a lot of ups and downs. Every day is something new. She is strong. She is doing well. She's been put through amazing things, and she's gone through amazing things. I, I spent every single night in that hospital with her at her side all night long. I would take the the night shifts overnight, come back once or twice during the day. My wife would be there most of the daytime and then sleep at night. And we had family members that supported us and everything else. And a lot of you reached out, especially Elite Mafia over at FantasyGuru.com. And man, you guys, you really appreciate it. I I couldn't respond to everybody and say how much I did. I tried to like put a heart emoji because so, it was quick. But even if you thought of my family or me or anything, I said I, you know, anything, I really do appreciate it. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart because it, it matters. You never feel alone, more alone than when especially a child is going through something like this, even though she's 20 years old, she's still my baby girl. She's still the same one that, you know, we eventually took home from the hospital all, all those years ago. And it was just torture and a brutal thing to have to go through. And I wish it for nobody and nobody else whatsoever on this earth. I hope you guys never have to go through something like that. But um, if you do, you know, and if you ever are in that situation, uh, I am here to help you. Honestly, I don't care if you're a subscriber or a listener or you don't give a fuck about me or anything else. If you need help in that capacity, I, I don't think there's anything more that you're more helpless than something like that. you got a loved one in ICU. And this is the fifth person in my family that's been in ICU, including myself, twice. <laughs> I'm just a mess, but you know, you, you're just sitting in hospitals and you're reliant on everything else. It's a terrible situation and nobody warns you about it. Nobody tells you how tough it's going to be. So um, recovery's long. She still graduates college in a couple of months. And the goal is to get her good enough to, um, she's got several graduations to attend because she double majored and she is a, honors college student that she'll be graduating and going into law school and admitted to the law school program and everything else. So, you know, she's going to be good enough to walk across that stage. And I can't wait to see it here in a couple of weeks too. So that's why the show has been. So I, I think, uh, yeah, that's, that's the backstory. And uh, again, appreciate each and every one of you, all your support throughout this whole thing. Now let's get to some sports. We'll talk, uh, let, let's have some laughs now, right? After I bring down the fucking room to a complete halt, right? Um, baseball season, going well. I have been getting my ass kicked, however, in betting. Now, not as of late. If you're following me on the day-to-day -day over at fantasyguru.com, you know, oh, Jeff, what do you mean? You had a winning night last night. And hopefully that, you know, the previous night when you guys are listening to this, but as I enter play on Wednesday, the 12th of April, I am 19 and 28 and I'm down six units, 6.05 units. All right. Not so bad. I was down a lot more. I was down, I think I was 13 games under 500 at one point and 
down 10 units. It's like, oh, shit. So we're making a comeback. What have I learned? Well, I've learned a lot. Number one, when it comes to betting on baseball, it's there's two ways. Either be okay with the short, steady climbs. Take those, the odds when you get the odds advantages. If you see a minus 180, put 1.8 units to win the one unit, right? Do some, you know, take some of the sure things or do a bunch of, combine a few of them where, okay, you're going to um, combine two chalky teams, play it on the money line, and two teams you know are going to win and uh, and roll that way, right? There's a lot of things that you can do to sweat and you combine those two bets into a plus bet into a situation where when you hit, you hit for plus money. And I mean, so you could take either road, either you have to do a lot more bets and do more volume or you just make plus odds bets. And that's what we do in football. And uh, by the way, since we've, since we left off, uh, not only has all that shit happened with me and my daughter and the family and stuff like that, I've also become Mr. NBA. I don't know how this happened. I don't think anybody listens to only this podcast would ever have suspected that from your boy, but uh, that's what I'm about. I'm all about. I'm all about surprising your asses. That's what I do, right? That is what I do. So, um, yeah. That's what I've learned. I think there are a couple other things. Right now, I've been taking a bath on the over one and a half total base bet. Very few of my bet, only three of my now 15 losses on those types of bets, which is rather substantial. 15 of my 28 losses are on over one and a half total base bets, which is something I hit at a 74% rate last year, by the way. So, so it's unorthodox to be losing them, but of uh, the 15 losses, 12 of them have been by players that got a single, they got on base, but they never got a second hit or they didn't get a double or the extra base hit that I needed to win. And that's just an unusual thing. That's just rare and strange and I don't really understand how that's happening. And I mean, I got boppers, fucking Trout and Pete Alonzo and guys who are great home run hitters are getting singles for me instead of extra base hits in plus matchups. And sure, that happens. But honestly, losing 15 uh, of these bets is not as surprising if I would just get a bunch of over fours and the players just disintegrated. I have been hot on pitching, and I hit another pitching one today over at FantasyGuru.com. So, uh, you know, I get young starters like Dre Jameson. I use the alt line. He's a right-hander for the Diamondbacks, needed four strikeouts today, and you get it. All right, so using alt lines and combining some of those bets and putting them into our advantage has been very profitable. I'm actually now six and two on the season as it pertains to pitcher props individually. And I've, when I say pitcher props, they're all strikeout props that I do. So things are happening. You know, it's evolving very well. I'm very excited to announce, and I wish I 
could have been there before the baseball season started. Our daily fantasy product over at fantasyguru.com drew, uh, grew by leaps and bounds uh, this year. For the last couple of seasons, we've just done one write-up per day over at fantasyguru.com. I am finally excited to announce that we grew it. We are now back to doing two write-ups per day, a cash game breakdown and a GPP breakdown. GPP is short for guaranteed prize pool. It is a tournament breakdown. That is just what it is, right? So um, Monday through Friday, we'll have two write-ups. On Saturday and Sunday, we will just be doing the one that will incorporate both cash and GPP into one. Five days a week, Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday, will be writing the cash game breakdown. We're finally getting Ray's fantasy baseball prowess into the daily side. He spent all off-season learning, training, going through the motions, on the daily game, learning it. He actually has been doing it the last couple of years, playing more and just getting more equipped that now he's comfortable enough to actually unveil this. And it has been a phenomenal success in the early going. I personally have not done a write-up yet this year, yet I am now, let me look at my record, make sure. All right, I did lose yesterday. Eight and five on the season. Well, I was eight and three two days ago. So I had back-to-back losses. But uh, running hot right out of the gate. And so Ted Schuster, uh, Chris Rose, CJ Kaltenbach, The Siege, uh, our Scotty B, Scott Botter, they're doing mostly the GPP breakdown over at fantasyguru.com. We have the cheat sheet every single day. We've got a live lineup coach that will coach you and help you one-on-one to build and do your lineups in our fantasy baseball discord or daily fantasy baseball discord. That is every single day over at the site. We also have all the data. It's fun to, you could, our box score feed is about three and a half minutes, three to three and a half minutes ahead of the local broadcasts on the sports. So if you're curious on Mike Trout hits that home run or not, you can go to our data, MLB, or data, uh, fantasyguru.com, MLB, and then go to our schedule and results and box scores. It's right there for you. And boom, you will find our – you could see exactly what you're getting. You you see, or see what they're doing before you see it even on your TV screen. So you know, it's a great place to hang out in our Discord you can watch the games either if you're watching on the television or streaming, but have our box score open so you know what's going on in real time as opposed to the delay on the streaming services or on TV. What's more, in our fantasyguru.com data package, the MLB Plus stuff is the greatest. Number one, you got to know bullpens. Whether you play daily, whether you bet, whether you're playing seasonal fantasy baseball, bullpen usage and and reliever ratings that is unique exclusive to fantasyguru.com i created this me and ray flowers we created this it's from our minds nobody else has it nobody else knows the formula we put every bullpen into our own unique rating system and it's constantly updated when you see oh this this long reliever's on the IL or this guy got sent down and this guy got called up or this starter's moving to the bullpen or this reliever is moving to the rotation. All of that's accounted for. When you are doing batter analysis for DFS or for seasonal or anything, and you don't incorporate what the, you know, the, the 50% of at bats 
that your hitters are doing against the bullpens, then you're you're completely fucked. You just are. We also have the smash report. Smash report. We have a pitcher smash report and a hitter smash report. It's really the same kind of thing, but ones will show you the best matchups for the pitchers, other ones for the hitters. And just like the uh for I will say this, the pitcher smash report is just the starters every day. Okay. So just an FYI, but the smash report for the hitters incorporates that day's starting pitcher and the bullpen. It even auto-corrects itself to account for pitchers, bullpen pitchers that might that are unlikely to pitch that day. Guys who have pitched in back-to-back games or are dealing with injuries or any of that. That's also incorporated. What the smash report is, it takes all the baseball savant information all the stuff from the pitch type, the pitch mix, the sliders, the fastballs, the curveballs, the pitch mix, the velocity, the effectiveness of every pitch in every zone, and it correlates that with the strengths and weaknesses of the hitters. Why are we only looking at one side of the conversation? Why is fantasy baseball fixated on one half of the conversation? Right? It's as if you're playing fantasy football. Imagine playing fantasy football and thinking that, uh, give me a, a random running back, Dalvin Cook. Okay, but Dalvin Cook running against the, uh, the the Houston Texans is the exact same, or it's no different than if he's running against the uh, Baltimore Ravens or you know Tennessee Titans with Jeffrey Simmons healthy or a tough defense, right? Any tough defense. like It's not the same. We do this all the time in fantasy baseball. We talk about a pitcher's pitch mix, the pitches it throws, how much break and how rotation and spin and velocity their fastball, curveball, splitter, or whatever has. But it doesn't fucking matter if the hitter is really good at that. If the hitter is great at low inside fastballs like Anthony Rizzo, then if you have a great slider that breaks down and into left-handed hitters, don't fucking matter. He's going to kill it. Right? So that's the whole point. Nobody else on the planet has done this. Nobody. There isn't another site. Even baseball savant. The the places that have all the information, they have never thought for some reason to combine this information. So we have it for you every day, updated, every morning, smash report. Boom. We got bullpen usage charts, batterers pitcher. Projections for strikeouts and park factors, stolen base projections, batter splits, umpire factors, all of that shit. So get that all in package for baseball or just become VIP platinum. Folks, you're if you listen to me regularly, serious or on this podcast or anywhere else at Jeff underscore Mets, just VIP platinum's the way to go. That way you're not missing out on anything. And it's always brutal for me to come up with a new idea. For one, you guys have no idea how difficult it is. Not just I come, I have a million ideas and a lot of things I want to do, but to get it all okayed by our management, to get it all done via tech, tech's really the most difficult thing. To to get it all through in a timely fashion to make it sure it looks good and is effective for all of our customers. It takes a lot to get to that point. It's not easy just to do. So I, and then we have to always figure out, well, how 
are we going to give this to our people? You know, this, because every tool takes a certain amount of st- a server space, tech work, development work. Obviously we're a business, so we need to find a way to make this at least break even, if not profit a little bit from it. So we have to put it in one of our packages. When you're VIP platinum, you just get every fucking thing. Baseball, football, basketball, hockey, every sport, all the shit. We want to do Kentucky Derby stuff. You got it. Otherwise, we have to sell everything a la carte. And if you're going to be, if you want to be part of our horse racing team or our NBA playoff team or data team, you know, any of that, our, our elite plus podcasts and shows, then you're going to end up spending more money because the packages we have to have standalone pricing just in case people don't want to spend all the, the bundled pricing. So just get the VIP platinum. And uh, if you email support at fantasyguru.com, they will take care of you. Our guy, Kurt, I will answer the email myself. If, uh, if Kurt doesn't get to it, or any of our other customer service people, and they will hook you up with the best deal possible. And I promise you, you'll save money. If not, call me a fucking liar piece of shit over uh, at Jeff underscore Manson everywhere else because you will be happy with the deal you get. So there you go. Um, And I'm not going to stay 10 games under 500 or nine games under 500. I'll tell you that much. No fucking way. So we're winning money, but folks, one way or another. Speaking of winning money, like here's another reason. I, I mean, I have never in my life, I've been in this industry for 18 years. I've never once even made any kind of pitch that you need to get our NBA package after like February 14th, or let's say right at the week after the Super Bowl. Or March 1st, let's say. I've never made a pitch to you about that. Because at that point, regular season's almost over, yada, yada, yada. I am telling you, if you don't even give a shit about baseball, but you are going to be with us for football, I will make your ass money during the NBA playoffs. I was 2-0 last night, five units up, and I got two bets that are live right now. And looking very good on one, although one part of it, mm, this guy's kind of sucking ass in the early going. But uh, we're going to be okay. I think we'll be okay. Um, So there you go. We I will make your ass money on NBA. I am. Let me look up my record real quick for NBA bets because your boys just been fire. And uh, 63 and 44, up 26.1 units. And I started the first week of March right before NCAA tournament time. So I've only been doing this for like six weeks and 20 games over and 20 units up. And now we got a lot more regularity with players playing time and all that. You don't have to know shit about the NBA, right? The only reason I got into this, I've always liked the game of basketball, but I've never been a big fantasy basketball guy. I lost it when Donaghy and the cheating scandals and all that shit. I lost, I, said, fuck the NBA. I'm done with the NBA. No more NBA for me. And it took a long time, but my son's way into it. He watches it every single night. It's on our TVs every single night. And, you know, you pick up stuff and start looking at things. And I figured out a way, just like I do with the the football betting, to make money betting. It's alt-line parlays constantly. Single game parlay, single game parlay, single game parlay. I'm killing it with this. I will make your ass money. I promise you, if 
I don't, you again, call me a fucker. Call or cancel your fucking subscription. Tell them man sucks. Seriously. Because you're going to make money on it. No question about it. Um, so yeah, that's been going well. Looking forward to the playoffs. Things are a lot more regulated there as well. All right, let's dive in. Let's do some NFL draft stuff. Um, I wanted to get something unique to this podcast for all of you supporting it and things. So you're going to be the first ones to hear my rankings, official prospect rankings by position on this program in the next couple of days and weeks, right? Now start with quarterbacks. Let's just talk about the landscape of quarterbacks, all right? Teams that need a quarterback, obviously Carolina. They moved up. They paid a haul for the Bears. I didn't love the Bears' return for that number one overall pick. How could you not? You got DJ Moore. You guys know DJ Moore is the second highest paid receiver in football, right? He's not a bad receiver. He's a good receiver. Is he? Like, if they got DeAndre Hopkins, okay, yeah, fuck yeah. Devontae Adams, yeah. They got fucking... You know, uh, Mike Evans? Yeah. Mike Williams, even with his injury problems. Keenan Allen. Fuck yeah. That Now we're talking different. But they didn't. They got DJ Moore. DJ Moore's fine. But it's not like, oh my God. The, the return is good enough. Solid enough. So, I'm fine with it. I wish... And it, I think as the weeks have gone on here, I said this right after the trade, I wish the Bears would have traded down to four or five or somewhere around there to uh, even down to two and then and then down again. And then they eventually would could have gotten maybe they wouldn't have got the same return, obviously, but they would have gotten more in the long haul. You could have traded down multiple times. And the re- and here's why. And I, I get it. Some of you are like, oh, Jeff, come on. How can you, you're not going to do that's wishful thinking. It is wishful thinking, but it's logical thinking in this environment. The reason being, who are the top rated quarterbacks? Now we know Carolina, it's going to be Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. Those aren't my rankings. I'll talk about them in a second. But we know that's, they're taking one of those quarterbacks. And they will be the first two quarterbacks off the board most likely. But we've got, the development I knew was going to happen because it happens every fucking year now, man. These these quarterbacks work out and NFL general managers and scouts start dreaming, right? It's like watching Kate Upton bouncing on a trampoline. All of a sudden you start thinking, oh, I'm going to marry her. You know, whatever your crazy carnal instincts tell you to do. But... NFL GMs are drooling. There's Will Levis. There's Anthony Richardson. And now Hendon Hooker is starting to make a push. There's three other quarterbacks. Go through the rest of these teams. Teams that need a quarterback. We know Carolina, Houston, fine. Indianapolis, they're at four. They need a quarterback. Seattle needs a quarterback. Three sorry, Drew Smith. Don't give me a fucking break. That Geno Smith had the freak, most freak season we may have ever seen from a player. He is Derek Anderson of the 2008 Cleveland Browns. Go look it up. Detroit's not out of the realm of possibility needing a quarterback. Golf played amazingly. No question. But is he really their long-term? Las Vegas Raiders at seven. 
They need a quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo is a short-term answer. Desmond Ritter, Falcons, who have the eighth pick, definitely could use a quarterback. Tennessee at 11. Ryan fucking Tannehill? Yeah, he's the third highest paid quarterback this year for some godforsaken reason. But I don't think that's locked up. The Jets at 13. They have Aaron Rodgers. Do they, though? Really? We don't know what's going to happen with that. New England at 14. Definitely is in, needs a quarterback. Washington at 16. Definitely needs a quarterback. Tampa Bay at 19. Definitely needs a quarterback. Seattle's got another pick at 20. Somebody else had another pick somewhere in there. Oh, Detroit at 18 did. Minnesota could use a guy behind Kirk Cousins. Baltimore may need a quarterback, depending on what happens with Lamar Jackson. Right? These teams need quarterbacks. It's a lot of teams. You don't think one of them has a un, an unnatural liking of Levis, Richardson, and or Hendon Hooker, and will pay up steep price to move up to try to snag them? You don't, if not, you're not paying attention to the National Football League much over the last few years, at least not the NFL draft. So that's why I wasn't ecstatic with the Bears Hall. Bears did fine. Definitely not a problem. Great Hall. They didn't screw it up at the very least. Could have got more, I think, but very good. And I, I'm happy with DJ Moore. Fine. But I don't think that that's the end of the story as far as the wide receivers go. Moore, Claypool, Darnell Mooney. Okay. They've upgraded the wide receiver core. Now let's get the offensive lineman at nine. All right. To me, that's not even a question. Honestly, I don't like this quarterback class at all. I don't like it at all. The one guy that is a franchise quarterback in this group that I could say fully, full on, that his baseline is Kirk Cousins. That guy is C.J. Stroud of Ohio State. Big, strong, accurate, mobile, but not he's not a runner. Definitely elusive enough in the pocket, though. Stepped up, played at a big program. He's also got a nice mix, smart kid. Very important. Or, I'm sorry, not smart, hard worker. I always say that. I don't know why I always, like, Stroud is not necessarily a smart kid. <laughs> Very fluff-ass classes. But he's a very hard worker. Workouts, always on time, meetings, book work. He does all of it for football. Great. Even better, perfect delivery in his throwing motion. Strong enough arm, definitely a plus arm. And his accuracy is perfect. He's got the kind of accuracy that you want. He's got, It's not, he's not Aaron Rodgers, but he's got Rodgers accuracy. What makes guys like Rodgers and that, so accurate, kind of like Kurt Warner back in the days that they throw it where the receiver is going to be. So the receiver will pick up yak yards after the catch. That's important. And that's what CJ Stroud brings to the table. That's this NFL ready quarterback. He's ready for it. This guy's ready. And he's going, he is a mid-level starter right out of the gate. And I gotta believe that's what the Carolina Panthers traded up to get. And kudos to them, because that's the one that makes sense. All right? So I have him number one and far, and that's it. I don't draft another quarterback likely in the first round. I've got 
my next quarterback on the board all the way down. All right, I, I got him at 14, but I could easily move him down to 20. Okay. And uh, this is going to be, all right, I'll just say it. it's Will Levis of Kentucky. I don't love him. Full stop. But he's got all the rough parts. I think he's being the those that knock Will Levis are the ones that didn't realize how injured he was last season. It, you know, he this dude's playing with fucking turf toe. His feet were never right. And you go and look at him two years ago, and it's a completely different animal, right? It's just a, a totally different guy. Um, wasn't great at Penn State. But he played in a pro-style offense in Kentucky. Kentucky put up massive numbers. And he did throw some turnovers. He's got the best arm in the draft, the best pure arm at least. But, you know, he definitely has warts, doesn't make the right read, will put the ball into harm's way quite a bit. He is not a – he is a much more mobile quarterback than you think. He's more mobile than C.J. Stroud for instance, didn't do it at all last year. I think people are really great in that senior season too hard because he rushed for nine touchdowns and 400 yards in 2021 at Kentucky. So he can move and he can be a force and he's a big guy and a strong guy and then somebody who will be a longtime starter. But he's got to get in the right system. You know, you look, if you got to measure it out, and I think there's a problem with the Bryce Youngs of the world. Bryce Young is very polished. Nothing wrong. You can't really say find anything wrong with him. But that is the most, to me, that's the most dangerous player alive. He's Mac Jones. Right? Is this Mac Jones? Mac Jones had a better arm than Bryce Young. Young is more elusive and Young is smarter and makes quicker decisions smarter, I guess is the word to say. So, but it, it's dangerous settling for mediocrity, especially the thing with Bryce Young is just too small. So just small, you can't play in the NFL and be five, nine and a half. Like this is not something that is good. You're going to get hit. Look what's happening to Tua is getting his fucking brains beat in literally brains beat in and Tua's built stronger than Bryce Young. Of course he looks good at Alabama. Have you seen the offensive line? Have you seen the guys he's throwing it up to? Like that's crazy. He he's going to be the uh lightest quarterback at 203 pounds or whatever he was, 202 pounds. That has ever been drafted in the first round of NFL history. You know, and yeah, there's a lot of ifs. If you protect him, if you build a good offensive line, if you get him outside the pocket, if the, yeah, but what's the upside of him? If you do all that shit for Will Levis, Will Levis is a better NFL player. So I would rather take the upside in this case. And that's what you have to measure. We measure this in fantasy football all the time. At what point you can't take all upside players. You can't take all steady of sure thing absolutes either. 
championship teams are made on discerning between the two. Knowing when to hold them, knowing when to fold them. And for me, I would rather take that chance. I think it's a very, I think outside of Stroud, everything else is a chance or a roll of the dice. I'd rather take the roll of the dice on Levis than Bryce Young. Bryce Young is my third, though. And I think that just like Levis and if, 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 all the ifs in the world, at least Bryce Young, the good things, he's played in big games, he's had good coaching, he's a great kid, he's a smart kid, all that stuff. Absolutely on all that. However, it's just not quite, He's just never grew up. He just never grew into being a professional and uh, NFL quarterback. Unfortunately, NFL quarterbacks look and are a certain way. You, you see it. But Drew Brees, yeah, is Bryce Young. By the way, Drew Brees, nobody believed in Drew Brees. Drew Brees was on the Chargers for four years. He had to get the perfect situation with Sean Payton in New Orleans, even to make anything of his career, because they drafted Phillip Rivers because – of all the problems with Drew Brees. So, so um, yeah, I just don't see it. I'll take him end of round one. Love to have him in the second round. Obviously, he's going to go either first or probably second to Houston, but I'm not in on Young. But uh, CJ Stroud, Will Levis, Bryce Young, those are my top three. After that, it's I, it's really close for me. I have three guys that are close. Number four is Hendon Hooker. He's old, but I do like, he showed me something last year. He, all the measurables are great with Hendon Hooker. The injury was absolutely devastating because I think that Hendon Hooker had that injury not happen. We're talking about him way above Levis and probably the number two on my board, quite honestly. So um, that volunteers offense was fun. It was exciting. He can, he's a modern quarterback. He's got enough pocket passer ability to read defenses and deliver the football accurately. And with being mobile, he's very much, very Justin Fields like. It's not quite, you know, the injury, quite as built as Justin Fields. He's not as polished as a passer as Justin Fields, but he's in that. Mold, And I think that's something modern offensive coordinators want and are looking for. So I think Hooker's going to be a guy that's drafted higher than a lot of draft Knicks out there, if you will, are, uh, are gauging and feeling. He's my number four. Oh. Actually, I'm a lot, you know what? I'm a lot higher on Hooker than I am the rest. The, the next three guys... I could literally interchange and it all comes down to what you're looking at. But I'm telling you all three of these players should be second or third round picks. And only one of them, I think will be I'll I'm going to go my number five with Anthony Richardson. Um, Boy, that's you want to talk about Justin Fields. Uh, very, very much like that. He broke the charts as far as athleticism. It takes the right team to draft him or in the right offense to put him in, right? You just have to. You can't expect Anthony Richardson to come in and be your pocket passer. 
You're not going to run Minnesota's offense. You're not going to run Sean McVay's offense with Anthony Richardson. You're not doing that. You got to do something the Bears did last year with Justin Fields or what the Panthers used to do with Cam Newton. Like those things you can do. And you have that's the way you have to build the offense. But it, it's exciting and he's fun and he can be an absolute dynamo. But his footwork is weak. His delivery is weak. Um, he not ac- not, well, accurate. He's not that accurate. He's pretty dog shit. Ball placement, that's better. Throws the right routes, but he doesn't throw it at the right time. He doesn't throw it in stride and seems to be aiming the football when he's throwing it. Those are some of the problems I have. I don't like the way he throws short. He feels like he's, uh, um, if you ever play baseball and like a comebacker to the mound and the pitcher like fires a fastball to first base or something, it goes wild. Like what? You just throw it, just toss it over. You don't need to chuck it. That's Anthony Richardson to me, you know, puts the ball in dangerous places constantly. You know, I, I, I just don't, I, I think there's some real problems, but the upside you can't ignore and it's worth taking them not your first round pick. You start getting into some of these teams like, like a Detroit, maybe Um, even though it's a different offense. I would love to see like a Richardson should be backing up Jalen hurts. Even though I think Mariota was the best get ever great get, but maybe Josh Allen and Buffalo, right. That's an offense. That's you can do some similar things. Lamar Jackson and Baltimore makes the most sense. Obviously Baltimore hat, you know, I don't know. they, do they their second round pick? They lost that to the Bears. That's the one that the the Bears gave up, right? Yeah. So you know, the Ravens don't have a pick there. If that's a spot where, like, I don't know, maybe Washington. I mean, Ron Rivera, he coached Cam Newton in the second round, pick forty seven. Like, that's a spot. Even Atlanta at forty four. Why the fuck not? Right at that point, if you're the Atlanta Falcons, um, would make a lot of sense. But somebody's likely going to take Richardson before that point. But I have him fifth. And the next two, do not forget these names. There's two quarterbacks nobody's talking about. And I think Tanner McKee is Stanford. Now, he is the anti-Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. He is the precision passer. He's the highly educated, smart, stand-up, upright, prototype, quarterback that if this was 10 years ago, I bet you scouts would be uh, coming their pants about, right? But uh, so Tanner McKee is a real prototype. Um, Older he is, but I love the accuracy. He can run a modern offense. He's like Minnesota should be looking at, or, you know, somebody wants to run that type of offense, San Francisco, right? They got, Purdy, of course, but if you want a Garoppolo Purdy type who has that side, this is a this is a great guy. He played in Davis Mills' offense, and you know we've seen Davis Mills not bad. And again, you know, I think Davis Mills had he not been in charge of a shitty team for the last couple of years, we would look at him different. If they get if the Texans had a veteran quarterback the last two years to sort of lose with 
And then Davis Mills came in. We we would look at Davis Mills like, okay, you know what? This guy could be part of the winning team. And I look at Tanner McKee in that vein too. I would love for a team. This is what a smart general manager should do. You got second, third round. I Third round. McKee's not going before the third round. And you develop quarterbacks. Look at the amount of draft picks and capital you can get if you've got a strong quarterback chip to trade. I don't know why more teams don't develop quarterbacks, even if you've got your guy. Fucking Green Bay picks 78. You got Jordan Love. You're not sure you have a first-round pick invested in, but fucking take the low end. Then you have Tanner McKee for the next three years, four years if you get the option. Fuck yeah, I'll do that. That makes the most sense to me. So Tanner McKee, know that name, right? Know it, understand it. Um, and then Max Dugan of TCU, another guy that it fascinates me because I've been around a long time. And I once said I would retire from broadcasting and talking about sports. I would go back into the tech trade or something if Johnny Manziel was a success in the NFL. I said there was no fucking way ever that he was going to do that. And I said, if he is, I will absolutely retire sight unseen. And I waited and I waited and people, every time Menzel did anything, I've never worried about that in my life. Max Dugan is every single bit of Johnny Menzel. Every single bit. Got the arm, got the swagger, got the, you know, will run, get outside the pocket, loves to, Loves to get hit, take hits, fiery guy, leader type. But he's undersized and he's slight of frame, very similar to Bryce Young. He's taller than Bryce Young, a little more mass, but not a lot. So he's got his issues too. I just don't see that much of a problem. Quite honestly, I know Young is polished, but I love, absolutely freaking love what Max Dugan brings to the table. And that's a fun pick. That's a pick that I'm happy about if I'm an NFL GM because I'm going to spend third or fourth rounder, get this kid into camp, the leader. He could be a backup day one. He could be backup in the league, right, day one. And then you'll see where it progresses from there. Maybe that's a spot where, like, Seattle, if they don't end up with going – uh Quarterback in round one or two, maybe you get Max Dugan in the third round, pick 83 overall or something. You know, maybe that's a spot that makes a lot of sense. If Indianapolis somehow passes on quarterback, I don't feel like they will, but if they end up trading down or what have you, as maybe they do, maybe that's pick 106 in the fourth round that Indianapolis is looking at Max Dugan. So there you go. Um, those are my top seven, just to recap it, because I've been blathering a lot about it. C.J. Stroud, one. Will Levis, two. Bryce Young, three. Hendon Hooker, four. Anthony Richardson, I have five. Tanner McKee, six. Max Dugan at number seven. Again, NFL Draft Guide. It's not our fantasy football draft guide, but it's over there, fantasyguru.com. If you're a VIP Platinum, you just get everything. I don't understand. Just fucking get everything. That way you get all of our special packages. We've got player profiles in NFL draft. We got our mock drafts. We've got our player rankings. We got projections. We have best fits. 
the only place in the universe you will find what NFL front offices and general managers, what they draft. Got a full 13-year makeup on that, where the top players were selected, what rounds produced the best skill position players, all of that exclusive fantasyguru.com so get there and check it out folks what do, what do we know we got an hour plus in on this episode i hope that it's good oh one other thing by golly hopefully the audio quality on this is good probably should have mentioned this earlier i did have some um technical issues earlier with the record recordings and things like that and so um loaded up a new microphone hopefully we're good to go if not, I apologize to our producer, Sean Engel. He is a man of the people, though. I know he'll make it sound crisp, and it'll be better in the days and weeks ahead. Remember, get over to fantasyguru.com, everybody. VIP Platinum, get everything we do. I guarantee you winners in the NBA. I will guarantee you winners in Major League Baseball and the betting package, DFS. Nobody crushes it like the Elite Mafia and Daily Fantasy Baseball, Fantasy Football, NFL draft guide, fantasy football draft guide coming up on June 1st as well. We're already busy at work on that. Lineup optimizers, elite data, elite plus network of podcasts and live streams. Kyle L. Frank hosting a live stream every single freaking day, all with guests and talk about DFS and betting and seasonal. It's fantastic, everybody. So get over there to fantasyguru.com and check that out. Follow me on social media at Jeff underscore Mans on Twitter, the Jeff Mans everywhere else, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. Thank you guys for indulging me on this, talking about my family and things I've been going through. Thank you for all of your support, whether it's in the career-wise or sending good thoughts or sending positive messages or emojis and tweets and Facebook messages. I got them all. I appreciate them all. You guys are the fucking best. I mean that. And sorry, I had to curse so much in this episode. More episodes to come. Season four begins with a bang. Hopefully you enjoyed the episode. Plenty more where that came from. Hit me up at Jeff underscore mans if you got ideas for future episodes. Or if you want me to stick to football or you want me to give a little more baseball talk, something like that. Always happy to take your considerations in on it as well. Thank you to our producer, Sean Engel. Thanks to all of you for listening. Remember, folks, you may agree or disagree with every something or every damn thing you heard on today's show. For the fourth season, folks, it's perfectly all right to disagree. It's perfectly all right to not like what I have to say. Why? Because it's just one man's opinion. See you next time, everybody. Deuces!